Hebrews chapter 12. I cannot apologize for referring often to this passage of Scripture because it is a passage that you ought always to remember. When our beloved brother Paul wrote one epistle to the Jews of Judea, exhorting them that had been converted to Christ not to backslide and go back under Moses' system of religion, as he laid out all the superior advantages of the New Testament over the Old Testament, of Jesus Christ over Moses, of the New Covenant over the Old Covenant, of grace over works, he comes to this place and he compares Mount Sinai, which in Hebrews chapter 12 is being described in verses 18 through 21. A terrible mountain. Fire came down from heaven. It was altogether shaking. There was the sound of a trumpet that waxed louder and louder. And this passage tells us that even Moses was exceedingly afraid. Because there was no mercy at that mountain. That was the law of God. He that sinneth, the soul that sinneth, shall surely die. But, but, verse 22, has a glorious contrast. And when Paul is writing Jews, he does not write to them about their little piece of sand at the eastern end of the Mediterranean Sea. He doesn't write them about some millennial kingdom when they're going to get their piece of sand back and Jesus is going to sit on some earthly throne and animal sacrifices are going to be restored, a few of which are the the lies and imagination of dispensationalists. This is what he said to them. He did not say there will be a future recovery of earthly Jews. He did not say there would be such a revival. He did not say there's a millennial kingdom coming for you in which you will be preeminent over the Gentiles. He said this in one sentence. Verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. One glorious sentence. Notice, but ye are come, not ye shall come. Ye are come. Those Jews then, in the 60s A.D., before the destruction of earthly Jerusalem, ye are come. They were already in connection with and had citizenship with this city. This city is a description of the kingdom of God. This is the church universal, if you'll allow me to use that word, because it's called the general assembly. This church is a local assembly. That church is the general assembly. We have a membership role of names written that we commune with at our Lord's Supper. This has a membership role, and it's the book of life. Very quickly, ye are come unto Mount Zion. Mount Zion is the particular hill among seven on which the citadel of Jerusalem stood. It's a, it's a pet name for Jerusalem. 
It's a name that has militaristic value to it, might and power. When the stronghold of Zion was taken, that is when Joab and David defeated the Jebusites, it is called the stronghold of Zion because there was a fort on top of that mountain. And we are come unto a fortress and a mountain that is in heaven, and it's Mount Zion which is above. Ye are come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God. God's city is not on earth. Jerusalem is no better to God than Las Vegas, San Francisco, or any other city that you want to pick. It has more Christ-haters and God-deniers than any other city on earth. But ye are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. And if you think the heavenly Jerusalem is only for Jews, you're forgetting Galatians 4.26, where Paul writing to Gentiles says, the Jerusalem that is above is the mother of us all. Meaning the mother of God's elect Jews and Gentiles that have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't care about the earthly Jerusalem, and He hasn't for 2,000 years. He leveled it to the ground. He sent the Roman legions, and they surrounded that city, and dug a ditch around it, and tore its walls down, and ran plows across that mountaintop to tear up even the foundations of their stinking buildings. Because they crucified the Lord of glory. They're the worst enemies of God on earth. But he has saved some of them like our beloved brother Paul and inspired him to write this wonderful sentence to us. The heavenly Jerusalem. And we're part of it. We're meeting with them today. In spirit, we have a vital and legal connection with them because of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it says, an innumerable company of angels. Forget the hundred million. They're countless angels. It's called an innumerable company. Remember when John does say 10,000 times 10,000 angels, which is 100 million, he then adds, and millions of millions. So we can't know how many. And so it is an innumerable company. Verse 23, to the general assembly. That is a larger church. That's the mega church that we are part of. We are a little outpost of that mega church here on earth. And it's the church of the firstborn. In heaven, there is one preeminent being other than God who sits on His throne, and it is the Lord Jesus Christ. It is not Michael the archangel, and it is not Gabriel. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, and He is the firstborn. And in His kingdom, God's kingdom, He gets all the preeminence. Whose names are written in heaven, in the book of life, recorded there before the foundation of the world, we are come to God the judge of all, Jews and Gentiles and to the spirits of just men made perfect, Abel, Abraham, Seth, Noah, David, Isaac, Jacob. They're all there. Paul, the spirits of just men made perfect. So the kingdom of God is mostly in heaven. A little bit is left on earth. And there's a little bit of time left for us to serve and to get out of here. Let's check out by way of death. And as soon as the last one arrives in heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ We'll come back to earth. There'll be some here on earth at that time when the last one that he expects to take by death has been taken. He will then come for the rest and we will be united together, all things that are in heaven and all things that are on earth into this glorious kingdom. And that is the the four square city of Jerusalem, the bride of Christ that you see in Revelations 19, 20, and 21 descending out of heaven. That is the church being described here in other terminology. 
And it's got an innumerable company of angels associated with it. And it says that we are the spirits of just men made perfect. That means their spirits are there without any sin, and soon their bodies will be restored to them, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Not the old covenant of the Jews, but to the superior new covenant with better promises that were made, and to the blood of sprinkling, the sprinkling of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is better even than that sacrifice that Abel offered that was accepted in the very beginning of the world. This is our kingdom. This is the general assembly. This is the true church. This is the full church. This is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the kingdom of God. We are in close connection to it today. They are waiting for us to arrive. And they're looking upon us. It's a great cloud of witnesses in that church. Let us be faithful to our God, the judge of all, and to Lord Jesus Christ, the firstborn, and to the mediator of our covenant. And may the Lord bless us today to be thankful for this church that we are part of. And I hope that whenever you run into one of these dispensationalists that wants to talk about some future Jewish kingdom, there is no such thing taught in the Bible. The kingdom is made up of Jews and Gentiles, and the Gentiles far outnumber the Jews, and it's described right here. And this is what our beloved brother Paul would tell Jews to be looking forward to and to be thankful for, but they didn't have to look forward to it because they were already part of it. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are humbled to the ground that we have such a sentence in the Holy Scriptures, describing our connection to a city that is above and not on the earth. We care for no city here, including Greenville, in comparison to the heavenly Jerusalem. We are thankful, Heavenly Father, that when this beloved brother of ours, your chosen Paul, wrote to Gentiles, he said that that heavenly Jerusalem was the mother of us all. We are thankful for our citizenship there. We are thankful that you wrote our names in the book of life before the foundation of the world. We are thankful for the spirits of just men made perfect that are looking upon us as a great cloud of witnesses. We are thankful for the sprinkling of the blood of the firstborn, the mediator of the new covenant, even our Lord Jesus Christ, outside of whom there is no salvation in heaven or in earth. We are thankful that He did not take on Himself the nature of angels, but He took on Himself the nature of the seed of Abraham, even one of us, with flesh and blood. And He laid down His life, taking our sins upon Him, that we might be declared righteous in His sight. And that blood has been sprinkled in heaven, and you have accepted it, and you are satisfied with His offering, and He sits at your right hand as our intercessor and mediator forever. We thank Thee, Heavenly Father, for this glorious kingdom and the church of the firstborn. And we will always give the Lord Jesus Christ His due preeminence in this church. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the innumerable company of angels that are there, that ascend and descend upon this church, upon our families and upon our lives. We are thankful for Your use of them in preserving, protecting, blessing, guiding, and directing us in the practical, providential aspects of our lives. Heavenly Father, we pray that this day we will rightly divide the word of truth. We will not stray into a ditch on the left or the right. 
We will not add to or take away from your word, but that we will rejoice in this great multitude, this countless number of angels that you have created that do your bidding and do your pleasure and excel in strength and have been assigned to take care of us in practical ways. Oh Lord, we are thankful to be in your house this day. And we look forward to that day when we shall no longer be on earth, but we shall be in your presence with this illustrious company. Heavenly Father, thank you for the truth of the gospel that shows us this sentence and blows away all the Jewish fables of C.I. Schofield and the rest of that crowd. We are thankful to know that in the Lord Jesus Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither male nor female, there is neither bond nor free. We are the Lord Jesus Christ. We are thankful to know that because of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and our baptism in His name, identifying ourselves as the children of God, we are indeed the children and the seed of Abraham. And we are the heirs of the promises made to Him. We thank You this day. And we pray that all that we say and do in this assembly will be acceptable in Thy sight. We pray for Your pastors and people, wherever they might be, this day, that you will be with them as well as with us. We pray for this nation, giving thanks for it, that we live in a wonderful country. And you have given us great liberties here, great prosperity, peace, and protection, great opportunities, Heavenly Father, to come into your house without fear. And we pray that you would oversee the affairs of this nation and your princes that you have operating behind the scenes that no man can see, but that your word declares to us, preserve this nation for the sake of your people within it. Forgive us our sins, Heavenly Father. Forgive us for getting wrapped up in the things of this life. And let us raise our eyesight to heaven above and to the city that is there and to that Mount Zion. And let us rejoice in the position that you've given us as the sons of God. Have mercy upon us. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.